the decreasing. Find in John chapter 3 that the ministry of Jesus Christ has begun to overlap the ministry of John the baptizer. We understand or perhaps we are going to learn today for the first time that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry. He was the one who preached, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was a New Testament version of the Old Testament prophets. And it was here with the ministry of John the Baptist that we begin seeing a transition. We find John the Baptist coming from the line of, of Aaron, the lineage of Aaron and the priesthood. And, and by all accounts, he should be adorned in priestly garments and he should be ministering in the house of the Lord. But instead, we find him dressed much like the Old Testament prophet with uh, camel's hair for a garment and a leather girdle uh, to tie his garment to his body. And, and we find him living not in the city limits, but living and dwelling in the wilderness, isolated from, from the majority of what is going on. But we find him coming into the city and we find him preaching, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it's here that he begins to prepare the way for the way he begins to set the stage for a different perception to take place of the ministry i i think we discount the work of john the baptist because uh so often they were used to just going to synagogue and and so often they were just used to going in and and going through the right and the ritual and they were just used to seeing the kingdom of God inside the four walls and beyond or, or not beyond the four corners of the synagogue and not beyond the four corners of Solomon's temple or even Solomon's porch but we find here uh, a street evangelist preaching that, that there is an unconventional method that is coming and, and he's preparing the way in stark contrast and, and I believe that John the Baptist and we know from scripture that John the Baptist did not pull punches as he preached but he preached it straight and he preached without fear and he preached without favor and he preached with a love for God and with a love for the people and he began to proclaim that things have changed and things are not going to be like they once were and so we see the the uh the idea and the principle of baptism take shape under the ministry of john the baptist Amen. we hear him and see him through the word of scripture as standing in this place where there is much water and he is baptizing with immersion. That's why the Bible describes that this place is a place of much water and people are coming to him and they are being baptized by him. The ministry of John the Baptist is is taking shape and in fact some scholars believe that some of the men that eventually followed Jesus were actually originally John's disciples. 
Perhaps even Andrew, perhaps even James or John had originally started following John the Baptist. And you hear later on in the book of Acts, it described again as John having disciples. It's the forerunner doing the work of God. And we, we hear the, the mode and the message of John the Baptist as he's, he's preparing the way for the Lord and there are people that come to him and they say okay John the man that you've been preaching about the one that you were with the one uh, that uh, that was with you the one that you have been around the one that you have been pointing to and looking at uh, we, we see that he and his disciples rather are, are baptizing as well what would you have us to do and indeed, if perhaps James or Andrew were disciples of John, then they were not gentle fellows. John, you just give us the word and we'll go straighten this out right now. John, you just, just snap your think, buddy. We'll go. We'll, we'll tell them we're the only ones going to be baptizing around here. They say that they came to John and they said, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. And there's a dispute arising between John's disciples and the Jews. It seems to be centered around a conflict between who should be baptizing whom? Should John's disciples and John himself be the one baptizing or is it okay if this Jesus from Nazareth and his disciples should be baptizing and, and John could have taken that opportunity and he could have snapped his fingers to his zealous followers and he could have sent them to go stir up trouble. But it becomes clear that although his disciples were upset and, and the attention is moving from John to Jesus, that John answers and he looks at them, I believe, square in the eye because he was not a man to cower. He was not a man to back off when things began to get heated. And so that ought to tell us a little bit about John's character this morning. We're not doing an expose over John the Baptist. But there are some things we need to understand this morning that John the Baptist could have gotten his feathers ruffled. He could have gotten his fur all bent out of shape. He could have got his leather girdle tied incorrectly. But instead, John the Baptist says, this is why I came I didn't come to receive glory in and of myself I've not come that I might receive notation and notoriety he said but a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven you yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ but I am sent before him John the Baptist had a clear understanding, a clear awareness of his time, of his place, of his role. And so he's able to calmly remind his disciples that he had always maintained his role 
I'm not the Christ. I'm not he. But I'm coming before him. In John chapter 1 and verse 20 it said and he confessed and denied not but confessed I am not the Christ in verse 23 he said I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Isaiah and they which were sent were uh, of the Pharisees and they asked him and said unto him why baptizest thou then if thou be not the Christ nor Elias neither that prophet John answered them saying I baptize with water but there standeth one among you whom you know not he said who coming after me or he it is rather who coming after me or was born after me who will be ministering after me is preferred before me because he was Shoe I'm not worthy to unloose. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He went on in verse 30. Say, he must increase, but I must decrease. He had spoken to them and he had said, I'm, I'm a member of the wedding party, but I am not the groom. I am not the one with the bride. But because I am a friend to the groom, whatever he needs, I'm willing to do it. Whatever is going on that I can assist with, I want to be there in order to accomplish what the groom needs in preparation for the wedding for John it was with great joy that he saw the goal of coming salvation fulfilled in John chapter 1 and verse 29 the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world let me preach to us this morning that because John had a clear understanding of who he was because John had a clear understanding of who the Messiah was the one who would come after him but was preferred before him because he was before him John would admit that he would say he must increase and I must decrease let me tell us today if you're going to be a child of God then you've got to make up your mind I'm not coming here just to occupy space and just to occupy time but I want to get myself into a position where I am decreasing so that he can increase. Amen. He must. He must increase. The Greek that was used means to make to grow. 
He must be made to grow. He must become greater in size. And I must decrease or I must be made less. I must be made less in rank. I must be made less in influence. I must be made lower. Oftentimes, we don't want to be made lower. But the fact of the matter is, if we're willing to be made lower, then God can be made bigger. That's why it ought not to surprise us that in the Old Testament we find David pulling off his kingly crown. We find David pulling off his kingly robes. Why? Because he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord back into the city of Jerusalem. And David understood this is not about me. This, this walk with God is not about me. It's not about what's in it for me. But I'm tied to something that's bigger than I could ever dream. I'm tied to something that's far greater than I had ever imagined and there's not room here for two kings. I gotta get out of the way. You gotta get your eyes off of me. You gotta get your eyes on the Lord. Not everybody liked that. Saul had trained his daughter well. She looked down her nose. How glorious was the king of Israel today who danced naked. He was not dancing in the street without clothes on. That would be a Greek tradition in their gymnasiums as they participated in organized sports. And they did so in the nude. That's not who David was. Let me just pause right there and tell you that that's still the spirit that's tied to those organized sports. That's why there's nothing wrong with playing a game of basketball. There's nothing wrong with playing a little football, but not getting attached to that. But David looked at her who had been the first love of his life. He said, because you don't understand who's really king. Whether he cursed her body to physically never bear children or whether he just made up his mind to never be alone with her. The outcome was the same. She never bore children. And then the sons that she adopted when her sister and brother-in-law passed away were then offered to the Gibeonites. She only knew a life of heartbreak. She only knew life of isolation because she refused to decrease. What might the outcome of her life have been if she had said, David, if you're going to dance today, you're not going to dance alone. 
What might the outcome have been? And she said, honey, if you're going to worship God today, you're not going to worship God alone. What if she had been able to look beyond the, 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 the high places and the high society? And what if she would have said, David, uh, I'm going out dressed like a maid today. Uh, I'm going out dressed just like your wife today. Uh, I'm not going out with the pomp and the circumstance. Uh, I'm not going out with the kingly and the, the queenly attire. But we're going to go, honey, and we're going to worship God today. I wonder how many babies she might have had. I wonder how her life might have been elevated beyond where it ended. I'm telling you today there's power when we make up our mind I gotta make room I gotta make room for the master he must increase and I must decrease that word must that John used believe it or not this is just ironic it's a Greek word that means it is necessary, but in English it's pronounced die. It's spelled D-E-I, or what we would spell D-E-I, but it's pronounced die. It is necessary for him to increase. It is necessary for me to decrease. There's, there's really no bearing on the, the enunciation or the pronunciation of that word in English to us. But it does require that I die. Not physically. But I'm dying to my earthly carnal desires. I'm dying to my earthly and carnal mindset. If the kingdom of God is going to become in the earth what it is designed to become, if it's going to become in my life what God desires for it to become, then it is necessary for my self. It is necessary for your self to become less it is necessary for your will to become less so that he can become more I fully I am fully persuaded today that the reason David could say oh magnify the Lord with me is because David understood how to lay it all down David understood that when he found me I was the least in my father's house I was the least I was the lowest. I was just a shepherd boy who got picked on by his big brother. I understand where he found me. And I understand that he put me in a position of authority. And I've still got to decrease. Because living for God has never been just about me. There's safety in becoming humble before God. There's protection. There is favor. There is blessing in becoming a vessel fit for the master's use. I want to see him increase. And if he's going to increase, then he's got to do so at my decrease. Right. That doesn't mean that John's going to stop preaching. John baptized up until the day that he was thrown into prison. But even then, his disciples were coming to him. 
And John is sitting there in prison with Herodias breathing down his neck and she wants his head on a platter. It's twisted. It's messed up. You go research the Herods and you'll find out how messed up it was. She was Herod's brother's wife. And they off him so that they can get married. It's a twisted situation. And you go and you look at the product of that relationship. And you go and you look at, at where Salome, her daughter, ended up. And who she ended up married to. And, and it, it, it was not something that was, uh, was God-ordained. but It was something that was twisted and it was messed up. But in spite of all of that that John finds himself in the middle of. And, and he had focused his, his preaching on Herod. Don't you think? I, I've been preaching to the soldiers down here. But don't you think that you're without, uh, without sin? And so he's preaching against Herod's marriage to Herodias. And, and he's letting them know, hey, that's not godly. God's not approving of that. God, no, sir, you gotta, you gotta make it right. You gotta get it right. Uh, and Herod, uh, uh, Herod said, man, I like to preach it before you started preaching on me. Uh, I like to preach it before you started stepping on my toes. And I, I was even a little fascinated with it. And, 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 and history tells us that Herod would come and listen to John preach. But, but there was something that God, uh, in, in John's spirit, because John was preaching without fear and John was preaching without favor because he had died to his own will alone long time ago and Herodias said I want him I want him dead I want him silenced I want him gone and so in spite of John having all of those things surrounding him and, and all of that opposition opposing him he sent his disciples to Jesus and he said you just go make sure you just go make sure I know he's my long lost cousin but you just go make sure that he's the one because there was a little part of John that was still expecting him to overthrow and to rule in the earth as he was uh, as the as the messiah was going to do but john said i gotta i i'm not satisfied just being uh, i'm not satisfied being in the limelight but i gotta get out of the way so that he can get in the way so that people can get in the way so that people can see the way so that people can see the truth i must decrease safety and decreasing pastor you're always telling us we need to grow you do need to grow and when you grow you're actually decreasing and the more you decrease the more you actually grow the more you get your own will out of the way and you put the will of God ahead of your will you're actually growing you're actually becoming Matthew 21 verse 43 Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation that bringeth forth the fruits thereof. The kingdom of God would be taken away from the corrupt Jewish leaders and given to the followers of Christ or the church. The ecclesia. Which would produce the fruit of the Spirit. Fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, but he said in verse 44, Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. Whoever's willing to be decreased shall be broken. But if you don't be willing, if you are not willing to be decreased, if you're not willing to die out to your own man, if you're not willing to die out to your own ways, if you're not willing to get yourself out of the way, he said, Then the stone will fall on that person and will 
grind him to powder. Let me tell you today, there is power when you make up your mind. I'm tired of doing it my own way. I'm tired of doing it according to my own plan. Let me preach to you this morning and be very clear. If you want your unsaved loved ones to be saved, you can't try to win them your own way. But you've got to get out of the way so that God can do it his way. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall. Reminded of Psalm 51, verse 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. David, psalmist here, understands that this is bigger than just the ritualistic offering of sacrifices. In fact, those things are not as important to God as a broken and contrite heart. They're not as important as somebody that's willing to, if they've got to crawl into his presence, they'll crawl into his presence. And they're going to be willing to say, that I'm telling you, it's more powerful. Obedience to God is more powerful than sacrifice. And it's more powerful in God's eyes. And this is why, I believe this is why, that God stepped out of the dispensation of human government and stepped beyond the, just the dispensation of law. And he said, I know that David ought to die for his sins, but there's something in David that said, I'm willing to decrease. I'm willing to crawl into your presence. I'm willing to let you know that I don't have all the answers. And God, I want to get myself out of the way so that you can use me. And David has an understanding that it's more important to God to know that you're willing to follow his plan than it is if you've got all the A's and all the B's in order if you've got all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted and you look good on the outside but the inside there's a spirit that rises up and says I will not be broken before him I will not do it his way But there's power when I decrease. There's power when I grab hold of my will like the balloon and I pop the balloon and I become deflated before him. I'm not preaching about being down in the mully grubs today. I'm not preaching about having a pity party. But what I am preaching is that there's power when you get in the prayer room and you pour yourself out. There's power. God said, I'm looking for somebody that's going to bring forth the fruit of living for me. But I can't bring forth the fruit of the Spirit if I'm not following the Spirit. John could have bucked the transition. But John had a clear understanding of who he was. That he was not the Christ, but was the forerunner of Christ. 
but he could have gotten sideways with his calling. Let me tell you, sometimes the hardest position to occupy is number two. Sometimes the hardest position to live in, to work in, is when you're not in charge. But I do all the work. If it wasn't for me, this thing wouldn't be going anywhere. God's not looking for somebody that's just got the name. God's not looking. Well, I've been here for 57 years. We get mad at our politicians when they've been in office for 57 years and have done nothing. Why should it be any different in the kingdom of God? Well, I've been sitting on this same pew for 54 years. Well, maybe you ought to move pews. Maybe you ought to run the aisles every once in a while to make sure there's not moss growing on the bottom of your feet. I'm not here to, to beat anybody up today, but what I'm saying is that God wants to work and God's looking for some people that'll say, I want to decrease. I want to decrease. I want to get myself out of the way so I'm able to follow the call, so I'm able to go after what God wants to do. God's looking for people that will bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Right, yeah. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now are you in light. Walk as children of the light. Yeah. That's why I love seeing new converts come in and they, all, they, just, they just fall in love with God. They fall in love with the church. and They, they fall in love with what God's doing. And, 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 and they're not going to be perfect overnight. And we don't expect them to be perfect overnight. But they start walking different. They're not walking like the world walked anymore. They're not living according to what the world used to tell them how to live. They're not following after the same. We're not, Brother Ben, we're going a different direction. Let me just, I'm going to say this publicly, not because I'm trying to embarrass you. Brother Ben left a good paying job because he wanted to be the man of his family. Amen. Not trying to embarrass you. I love you. They offered him $50 an hour to come back. And he said, no, I'm going a different direction because he's going to be a man of God. And let me tell you what's going to happen as he's decreasing and he's saying, no, that's not who I am. That's not who I'm going to be. God's going to say, okay, in due season, you're going to reap. If you faint not, I'm going to pour out blessing upon blessing. I'm going to bless your home. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your ministry. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to bless your family. Because John understood, I'm going to walk as a child of the light. I could get sideways. But John, if you had done that, he would have thrown away everything that he had prepared for. But the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, in righteousness, in truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Galatians chapter 5 describes it this way. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? These are the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. 
That's where we used to walk. Which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness, it's faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. I got to decrease. Because when I was increased, I used to walk according to the the fruit of my flesh. But now that I'm living for God, there's some things that got to change. There's some things that got to change. And the more I decrease, the more I move away from the first portion of that scripture, the more I move away from the envyings and the murderers and, and the fornication and the adultery and the lasciviousness and, and all of those things that are displeasing to God, all of those things that we see so prevalent in our world today, the further away from those I get, the closer to God I get. And God's saying, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are going to live in the decreased state. I'm not preaching about being decreased spiritually but I'm preaching about getting our flesh out of the way so that God can work so that God can move we live in the spirit let's also walk in the spirit 1 Corinthians 13 though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. What's he saying? He's saying it doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how popular you are. If you're not decreasing, then there will be no increase. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not our own. God help us is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. John, there's somebody upriver baptizing. Who do they think they are? Thinketh not evil. He that came after me is preferred before me. Listen, we're going to talk about it in a minute. But every time you see that word charity, it's the word agape, which yes, is is unconditional godly love. But there's also a thread attached to that by a word called preference. I'm preferring others above myself he that cometh after me is preferred before me 
my walk with God is not about me. This is bigger than I am. This is bigger than my name. This is bigger than my shoulders can bear. This is bigger than, than my name tag. This is bigger than a plaque on my door. This is bigger than a reserved parking space. This is bigger than a nice suit and a tie and a, a nice hairdo if you've still got hair. It's, it's bigger than all of that. This is the kingdom. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but it rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And he goes on, Paul does, in verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I became a man. I learned. Decrease. After the straightest sect of the Jews, I was born. I was the best of the best. Paul was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, Jewish scholar. Paul, even being a Pharisee, was not just operating when he was known as Saul of Tarsus, was not just operating under the banner of the Pharisees. But in Jesus' earthly ministry, in the ministry of the early church, the ministry of the early church was, was centered around not just the ministry, but the death the burial and the resurrection. And there was another sect among the Jews called the Sadducees who did not believe in the spirit world at all. No angels, no demons, no afterlife, and no resurrection. And so here's the early church saying that because he lives, you can live. And here's the early church saying that Jesus was not only crucified, not only buried, but also resurrected. And so while the Sadducees had mainly left Jesus alone in his earthly ministry, it was mainly the Pharisees and the scribes, the lawyers that were coming against him. But the Sadducees were kind of in the background. And then all of a sudden, here comes the early church preaching about the resurrection of the Christ, preaching about the Messiah, preaching about you can have eternal life. And then there's the Sadducees saying, hey, there's a young man down here. There's a young man down here. Let's use him. And so they grab hold of Saul of Tarsus. And they see his zeal for the law. They see his zeal for the kingdom of God as he knew it according to the old covenant. And they begin to use him. And they begin to twist him to wipe out the early church. And, and Saul of Tarsus, who would later become known as Paul, he said, that's who I was when I was a child. But when I became a man, when I saw the light, of the glorious gospel 
I put away the envying. I put away the strife. I put away the arrests and the murders. I put it behind me. And when I became a man, I learned to decrease. I learned to live with the thorn of my flesh. maturing in Christ involves the agape love. The love, it's, yes, it's described as unconditional. It indicates a preferring of others over self. Not that my needs are neglected, but I'm no longer seeking attention for myself. I'm forcing my desires to the side so God's desires can take precedence. That's what we know of agape love. But the thread continues. In the historical context of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and verse 11 and, and verses 1 through 7 as well, the historical context would tell us that this word agape is also used to describe the atmosphere of fellowship. That where believers of different social economic status would come together. We see it in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 where they were selling belongings. They were selling land. They were doing this and they were doing that. Because this wasn't just about me. This was about other people. And they would come together. And those of the lower social status who could not afford the food, who could not by right and could not by tradition be in that kind of atmosphere were welcomed with open arms. Because those that had the means said, I'll buy the food. I'll rent the building. I'll build the church. I'll do this. I'll do it because I want everybody to be involved. That's like John standing there in the river baptizing them by immersion. Oh, John, what are you doing? I'm just preparing the way. I'm preparing the way. And if I can break some old mindsets right now in the baptism of repentance, then when Paul, the apostle, he becomes a man and puts away childish things, he's going to look at my disciples and explain to them the infant of the Holy Ghost because I prepared the way. Matthew 26. I'm coming to a close. I'm losing my points. Verse 37. Following The Passover, the last Passover that Jesus would ever partake of with his disciples. In a setting where they're all sitting around the table and he said, take, eat. This is my body. That's broken. What are you talking about, Jesus? Take, drink. This is the blood my new covenant they didn't pass around a goblet filled with Jesus' blood symbolic I'm decreasing even the master leave that place Judas has run out to go sell him out for the price of a slave 30 pieces of silver and they're in the garden 
called Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, which is a place where the olives are crushed, a place where the olive oil is made by the crushing of the fruit. And he takes the now 11. Some believe that the young man that ran away, who's described as running away naked, was actually John Mark. Maybe he was in the garden with the disciples. He said, pray. He takes Peter, James, and John, the two sons of Zebedee. He begins to be very sorrowful and heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here. Stay here. Watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I don't believe that was a quiet little prayer that he prayed leaning up against a tree as he was dozing off to sleep. But in my mind and in my vivid imagination, I can imagine him curled into the fetal position on the ground. One of the Gospels, I believe it's Luke, who was writing after the fact, who was a Gentile, was also a physician, writing many believe as the apostles shared what they had seen i believe it was luke at luke that that wrote that he began to sweat as great drops of blood through the eyes of the physician he knows that capillaries are busting that doesn't happen in just casual little prayer as his skin begins to take on the hue of petechiae And he prays, and he gets up in verse 40 and comes to his disciples and finds them asleep and says to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? You couldn't even pray an hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation, Peter. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it. Thy will be done. And he came, found them asleep again. Their eyes were heavy. 
And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. What's he doing, Pastor? Why are you preaching this? This is God incarnate, God manifest in the flesh. But even Jesus himself understood there's power when I decrease. There's power when I push my will out of the way. If there be any other way to show me. It wasn't because he didn't know the answer. But he's letting you and I know it may not come easily. But for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He pushed his flesh out of the way. It wasn't the decreasing of the Messiah. But it was the decreasing and the conquering of his carnality. It was the overcoming of his finite nature. So that the purpose of the infinite could be accomplished. It didn't happen when he prayed once. It didn't happen when he prayed twice. It didn't happen when he had a group of friends who were cheerleading him toward fulfilling the task. But it happened when he refused to give up. It happened when he refused to quit. It happened when he refused to run from the call. It happened because he understood I'm the only one that can conquer my flesh. Peter couldn't conquer his flesh for him. James couldn't conquer his flesh for him. John couldn't do it. Despite James and John being called the sons of thunder. They were rough around the edges. They were always edgy. They were willing to get rough. To get tumble. To rock. Let's go, Jesus. Should we call fire out of the sky on them? He said, oh, you sons of thunder. But James and John couldn't do it for him. James and John couldn't fight the battle for him. Peter, I told you to pray so you didn't enter into temptation, and yet you pull out a sword and, and chop off Malchus's ear. Let me preach to us this morning that nobody can do it for you. Just like they couldn't fight the battle for him. I can't fight the battle of your flesh for you. You have to engage in the battle. You have to be willing to pour yourself out so that God can make you into the man or the woman that he's called you to be, that he's designed you to be. You were not created on accident, but God has intentions for your life. But I can't get your flesh out of the way for you. But I just don't see it yet, Pastor. But what you do while you wait matters. 
John, what you do while you wait? He, it wasn't until he was in prison that he sent his disciples. You go ask him if he's the one. I haven't seen it all quite yet. But when he looked up out of that river, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. In his moment of faith, he knew who he was. But in his moment of down, in his moment of doubt, he had to be reassured that I didn't miss the mark. But even when I don't see it, what I do while I wait matters. He's got to increase and I got to decrease so that when the time of harvest is here, it's not me who's going to be getting the glory. It's God. You got to decide this morning as we stand all over this place. I'm not going to operate according to the will of my flesh, but I'm going to operate according to the will of the spirit of God that lives inside of me. I got to decrease. I've got to decrease. I've got to decrease. I've got to get my attitude out of the way. I've got to get my carnality out of the way. So, Pastor, it's hard. Yes, of course it's hard. Even Jesus Christ Himself had to do it. He could have called legions of angels. Look, others He saved, but He can't even save Himself. If he hadn't conquered his flesh in that garden, he'd have said, oh, I'm going to show you. The earth's going to open up like it did for Moses and swallow the sons of Korah. It's going to open up and swallow the group of the Pharisees. If he hadn't conquered his flesh, that could have been what might have happened. But he said, Matthew 6, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In earth. Not just on earth. In earth. Let me remind us today, men, that we were formed from the dust of the ground. It could also be viewed in my opinion. Let your will be done in me. This earthen vessel as it is in heaven. I must decrease. If I want to see what God has for me. I got to get my own will out of the way. I got to get my own agenda out of the way. I've got to make up my mind what I do while I wait matters. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep believing. But I'm going to find myself a place of prayer. I'm going to find myself sometimes of fasting. I'm going to fast until it hurts. I'm going to pray until it hurts. I'm going to be willing to be decreased. You know I preached about blessing and I believe that we as the church of the living God ought to be the head and not the tail but if we are increased in ourselves if we're not in a place of prayer if we're not in a place of consecration it'll get about us much quicker than it'll ever get about him the tide will be turned and all of a sudden our self-importance will become inflated I can never forsake the place where I decrease I'm not doing it for my will. I'm not doing it just to feel good about myself. But God, I want to be a blessing. 
your will be done. Your will be done. It may not happen the first time you pray or the second time you pray. But I want to make up my mind. I'm decreasing. I looked at our prayer log last night as I finished my time of prayer here at the church. We're on page 77 of that prayer log. We've got more of that book filled in with times that we've prayed versus pages that are yet empty. We want to know why the doors are opening. We, we have people ask us, why, what's, what's going on? What's changed? We're just decreasing. Let me tell you folks, revival really is. It really is that simple. i got to pray. I've got to fast. i got to read the Bible every day. i got to pray every day. I want to fast one time a week. I want to get my flesh out of the way. I don't want there to be a, an opportunity where the doors of the church are open and I'm not there. I don't want to miss fellowship. I don't want to miss connecting with the body. Doesn't matter how gifted you are. I want to decrease. I want to decrease. Why? Because then God is able to look at us and say, I can trust them with souls. I can trust them with new families because it's not going to be about them. It's going to be about me. It's going to be about my kingdom. I wonder if I've got anybody here today, if anybody here this morning that would say, you know what? I, I know I might have been in church for a little while. Maybe I've, I've just gotten in church, but I want, to, I want to decrease. I want to get my will out of the way. I want to do some more to get my, my desires out of the way. Because if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desire of your heart. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's find a place to seek His face. I'm laying it down. To hear you say that I'm your friend. I must decrease. You are my desire. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way to bring me back to you. 